Welcome to Missouri Farm Bureau's Digging In podcast. Janet Adkison here with you. And joining us is Mr. Scott Brown. Of course, he is an economist with the University of Missouri. And uh, Scott, as always, it's a pleasure to visit with you. Thanks for taking the time to chat. Janet, I appreciate being on today. Well, give us kind of a rundown. I know this time of year, and especially amid the <laughs> efforts on a farm bill or the lack thereof, nonetheless, uh, it's definitely a busy time for researchers. Absolutely. And what a volatile year it's been. Uh, seems like there's uh, always plenty of information to, to discuss as, as markets move and big issues beyond farm policy of where weather uh, has, has been and the impacts, uh, I think, has really been important to overall agriculture here in the state of Missouri. So you guys just recently released a report, and that is the farm income outlook. Uh, where are we at right now, Scott? Yeah, enough. So if you look at Missouri, you know, number one, I like to remind us when we look back at 2022 um, and and the data that we have from USDA, it was a record level of of nearly five billion dollars. And and to put that in perspective, uh, to 2015 through 2019, we were less than two billion dollars on average over that period of time. So on average, 2022 looks like a really good year. Higher prices. Um, I, I think certainly made things move higher in terms of looking ahead. So we'll say this year uh, we're, we're going to see a decline in farm income uh, down, down to about 4.4 billion, Janet. Um, uh, I think weather's played a role here, especially in terms of, of some of the crop receipt side. So lower yields for Missouri generally. Um, cattle has been, prices at least have been better, although uh, we continue to to see less uh, cows in this state as drought has been a problem. Um, so to me, those are some of the big issues. And as we look ahead, just continued uh, downward uh, slide in net farm income, still above that longer term average, but uh, something I'm, I'm going to continue to watch as, as we look ahead. Now, of course, uh, you and I were chatting a little bit beforehand, and one of the things that you had pointed out, uh, while the income is falling, we are still coming off of some record highs that we've seen in recent years. Yeah, that's right. Uh, again, I don't want to, I'm not here today to say we're just headed for a terrible situation. Uh, I'm here to say we're coming off those record highs. Un- unfortunately, I-, I think one of the issues here is that expenses are going to continue to be high. And, and this idea of our producers in the state of Missouri finding themselves in a more of a cost price squeeze is something that that I continue uh, to look at as as we go ahead. Um, and it, higher interest rates, fuel prices remain high, uh, hay prices remain high. Uh, it, it's hard to find inputs that are going down. And, and so for me, that's the, the, the thing that I want to keep talking about, especially for our farmers in this state about preparing as best we can for what might be tighter margins as as we look the next two or three years. As we look at some of the receipts, of course, on one hand, uh, we talk about the receipts, but then we're also, uh, especially for Missouri folks, talking about some sky-high hay prices that are being seen across the countryside. Uh, what kind of impact is this whole situation having on our Missouri producers? So I, I always like to say it's a mixed bag. I, I am amazed how much variability we have found as we move around the state uh, due to dry weather. 
Uh, I hear anecdotal stories from farmers across the state where Scott, one field I had was really, really good from a yield standpoint and a mile away. Another field that might have been better dirt, uh, frankly, yields were lower on that. And it was just the, the rains and where they actually fell. I, I think that's very different than we've typically seen in dry weather events. Uh, so it's not felt evenly, number one. Uh, from the hay side, we're just really tight hay stocks. Uh, record, you, know, you look back at USDA's May 1 hay stocks, uh, record low hay stocks in a number of states, uh, Missouri also showing much lower hay stocks. It's hard to find enough hay. I think you're seeing producers making calling decisions that they probably don't want to have to make, uh, but just know they don't have enough forage and uh, to carry through the winter right now. And Scott, of course, whenever we reference the Farm Bill um, 2023, a lot of the, the news headlines have been eaten by the Farm Bill, and here we are now sitting on hold. But also, as far as that front goes, we've been watching, watching Washington, D.C. and the Fed because of the interest rates. And it sounds like we're not done yet as far as seeing the rise on that front. Yeah, all the current information we're seeing would suggest to me there's still potentially upward pressure on interest rates. Uh, the, the economy and, and prices continue to be moving at levels that might suggest the Fed uh, will have to make additional uh, increases in rates. Uh, this is a very fine balancing act trying to be played, uh, I think, by the Federal Reserve of slowing the inflation that we've been seeing without overdoing it. And um, again, I worry as we keep pushing those rates higher, uh, it, it's going to change what the outlook is for agriculture uh, and, and to the farm bill. A, a, a lot of uncertainty setting here. Uh, so I think when you look to D.C., crop insurance is still seen as the number one safety net. And a lot of folks are going to fight hard to uh, keep crop insurance front and center. But what we do after that um, there, there seems to be not a lot of, of uh, clear pathways forward at this point, and uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, and as, as you know, with the 2024 presidential election, uh, the, the window, I think, for getting a farm bill done in 2024 uh, is, is there, but it's going to be pretty uh, pretty small opening uh, to, to me, whether it, it gets pushed up in early 2024 has a lot to do with just how much concern there is about safety net issues for farmers. And, and this is not abnormal. When you look back at other farm bills that we've done, um, it's taken longer than uh, originally thought that gave us extensions for periods of time. I just think finding the next point in time when you have big elections coming in 2024 is what maybe pushes it even further than many might want to think about right now. Now, Scott, you and I had talked about, of course, uh, Missouri being impacted on all these different facets, but we're not alone in this. Kansas, Arkansas, other surrounding states, uh, you guys follow their numbers as well, too. That's that's right. So the, the center that, that I'm the interim director of, so the Rural and Farm Finance Policy Analysis Center, we shortened it for RAF, uh, is working with a number of, of states. So I'm, I'm looking for my equivalent in Nebraska or in Arkansas or in Kansas or in Texas, that, that number one has the connection to production agriculture and, and number two can start to say, what's unique about what's going on in those states? 
Uh, so we have turned out state level farm income for, for those states. Um, a couple of things I'll say. So drought in places like Nebraska and Kansas was tough on, on them. Nebraska in particular, 2022, where all the rest of the states had record level farm income. Uh, Nebraska did not because it was so dry already. Um, cattle, uh, so higher cattle prices, I, I think help benefit uh, places like Kansas and Nebraska who are feeding a lot of cattle. As you think about 2023, I'll say poultry in Arkansas. We know we've struggled with uh, the financial viability of, of poultry. Uh, I think it is a drag in terms of where we see Arkansas farm income in 2023. Uh, and, and, and so those are some of the unique things we're starting to look at. And, and the, the objective here of the center is how's that federal safety net work when you start looking state by state and, and instead of thinking about it from an aggregate perspective, uh, I've been a part of FAPRI for decades at this point. And, and we tend to look at things more from the national perspective. RAF is just that drill down into the state by state to try to get a little better notion of how the safety net works or has holes when you look state by state. Well, Scott, before we wrap things up, um, circling back to the farm bill, I know that FAPRI, you guys spend a lot of time doing research specifically uh, for Congress as they're putting the farm bill together. So what does that postponement mean uh, or extension rather for you guys? I think it means more work in the short run, Janet, is, <laughs> is the way I'd answer that question. Uh, I was afraid you were going to say that. As much as, and so I think this gives members and their staff time to think about other ways to do the safety net or make changes to the safety net. Uh, you're always looking at What's the potential cost of making those changes relative to how it affects the safety net? I, I think if you ask us, uh, we've we've run uh, well over 50 sets of analysis already. Uh, and, and I just think it continues to, to add uh, on as, as we look ahead. Uh, as as staff, again, has to decide and, and members, what do I, what's this look like? What do I want to change? What kind of budget do I really have? Those are all going to be critical issues as as this next farm bill tries to get to the finish line. Well, Scott, any last thoughts for uh, the farmers and ranchers, uh, landowners, rural homeowners tuning in, uh, how they can best set themselves up for the year ahead? So I keep saying risk management, risk management, risk management in these kind of volatile markets. Um, I, I don't want our producers to, to be caught in a a squeeze that isn't of their own doing. Um, we've talked about very high cattle prices, record high cattle prices during some parts of this year. I, I've said, think about the insurance tools that are, are available to you. Um, I, I want you to, to perhaps use those insurance tools, but not get an indemnity payment, protect the downside risk as best we can, especially when you just think about the sheer number of dollars it takes to farm an acre of ground or to have a beef cow. Um, that, that to me is is one of the biggest issues of making sure we're doing enough protection to not get caught. From a consumer standpoint, you know, I'll say we've talked about food prices that have been at high levels. Um, I'll say we've ha we have had higher farm prices, but the costs post the farm gate are also important to this idea of 
high consumer prices, whether that's labor costs once we get post the farm gate uh, or packaging or transportation. Uh, we've, we've seen some fairly uh, hefty margins from farm to retail uh, that farmers in the state, frankly, don't get uh, in any benefit from except hopefully pro providing a better product for consumers. All right. Well, Scott, if anybody should have any questions, is it OK for them to reach out to you? Absolutely, it is. Uh, probably the easiest uh, is uh, is my email. So Brown and, and the first two letters of Scott. So Brown SC at Missouri dot edu. All right. Well, Scott, as always, thank you very much for your insight. And we look forward to hearing more of your research in the year ahead, because I know that you guys are going to be keeping busy. Again, Director of Rural Farm Finance Policy Center at the University of Missouri. Joining us, Mr. Scott Brown. Thank you again for your time. Thanks very much, Janet. You've been listening to Digging In with the Missouri Farm Bureau.